turns out he's a major cinephile. They don't watch enough movies! It's a very simple formula! And here we go. Hey you, welcome to the show. I know what you're all thinking. Time for some holiday movie podcast content. Since we are dangerously close to Christmas and all that. Well, this may be my running joke. Like one bite, everyone knows the rules. But I just didn't have the time to get all up into the freeform Christmas movie marathon and break it all down for y'all. Now, if you check out my Knickknack Movies Instagram and welcome back to the official show Twitter account under the same name, you can check out my watch freeform calendar for all the things you need to get you into the holiday spirit. And I will too. Next week, for real this time, will be the freeform 25 Days of Christmas Breakdown, followed by another episode all about the modern holiday classics, the elves, the Christmas chronicles, and so on and so on. All the things that you need to see coming out on a special day and time, the 23rd of December. So lots of fun, festive things on the horizon. But what are we going to talk about today? Well, with my mad busy game broadcast weekend, the only thing I've really watched besides the Mandalorian episodes, which have been amazing, and we will definitely break that down, Hopefully the boys, the two Johns, will be back for that one. But otherwise, I watched season four of Big Mouth the day it came out on Netflix in its entirety. Y'all know I love this show, and season four was amazing as well. Eventually, I will do a full breakdown of the entire show. But this is going to primarily focus on season four, reference things from prior seasons. So if you have not started or are all caught up, You should definitely do that right now. Pause. Pause the podcast. Watch everything. Come back. We'll get going after that. For if you don't know, though, but now you're all caught up as you're only watching this if you're caught up because there was a spoiler, major spoiler warning right before this. But if you don't know, Nick Kroll and John Mulaney have made this amazing animated tale about growing up and going through puberty. It has musical numbers, great voice actors, and it's the right kind of too real, but over the top. And this is just amazing, funny, animated show that can go those risque, weird places and still be super relatable. And it might give you some moderate flashbacks that you probably don't want to have of growing up. It's also a great way for just when you're going through things today, no matter what your age is. Like I said, I wish I had a show like this growing up. Like a more gross, real version of Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. And I will stick to my claim that kids today should watch this. You know, sure, make a permission slip in school. Cut excerpts of it that are important for your development and growing up. It would be such a benefit that I wish I had. But enough context. Let's get to going through these changes together. Season 3 left a huge cliffhanger with two of our main characters breaking up their friendship, which is something we all go through. Friends come and go, and one of the first seasons this is taking place outside of the school setting. Something I really like about the show is with it being related to growing up in puberty, the characters actually grow and change. They go on to different grades and go through all those awkward changes. That is rarely seen in animation. Think like The Simpsons, Family Guy, just for examples. They even make a joke all about it with Bart never growing up and his hair maybe being a hat. You know my opinion on The Simpsons is not 
particularly high. Maybe I, I'll give it a go one day and it'll resonate with me. But at this moment of recording this episode, Simpsons and me, we're not really vibing together, right? I don't. They don't pass the vibe check for me as of now. But they're on Disney+. Plus. Who knows? Maybe I'll jump in one day. Also nice is that even though these three main kids are all going to camp, we have so many other main characters to focus on with all of the creature personified emotions and just more kids from different backgrounds. I would say we're closer to maybe six main kids and we follow three more in supporting but still larger roles. And those are all, you know, just the kids. There's the hormone monsters are a huge part of this show from the get-go. And the amazing parents are also very important roles, maybe not necessarily focuses, but they're definitely there and have an impact that they can place onto the narrative and our kids and our characters. Sometimes waning with different seasons, their various degrees of importance and features. Some seasons focus big on the family dynamics, some of the ghosts of Duke Ellington, one of the highlight weird characters in the show. And regularly the negative latest emotion takes on the big bad role for each season. And we always get some amazing one season, you know, maybe a couple episode arcs voice actors. Of note, the big ones this season that are new are Seth Rogen, John Oliver, and Zach Galifianakis. Seth Rogen has a part of the camp storyline with seemingly, you know, you have a friend that's your camp friend versus your real friend. And when they two meet, they become friends and kind of maybe leave you in the dust and you get a little jealous. Always good to have these relatable storylines, right? John Oliver is just a camp counselor, but all the jokes they make to his amazing show that we have talked about a few times, we've never broke it down. I don't know if I, we ever could break something like that down, but they make a ton of references to last week tonight. And all these references to last week tonight, just marvelous. And we will get to the Zach Galifianakis character later on. I want to slowly build up to that because I think it's a very important part of the show that is not the focus of this but it's definitely going to be the important end note of this episode what is so good about this show in general but especially in this season and this one case is the more time they've given for growth and the character I think of the most when I talk about this is Matthew who's the more openly LGBTQ uh, guy character Jay One of my favorites who is just the horniest kid ever who discovers he is bi through the growth of the show. And somehow the horniest kid of the show never gets a hormone monster, which they do joke about. And there's rumors afoot, but we'll just say, I mean, the joke they made way back in season one is I think he's his own hormone monster, which imagine if they ever go deeper into that. Lola, who I didn't even really know how to describe her, but Nick Kroll is amazing as her voice actor and probably the most growth of any character throughout the show but this season specifically missy discovering her identity as biracial and finding a way to make the only other black kid in the school have more of a role overall and tying it into her role and she's clearly one of the main characters even before the kind of split i would say there were four to start she was pretty easily the fifth and matthew kind of became the sixth one in that group just great stuff here And they found a great way to change the voice actors as a white actress voicing a biracial character to a black voice actor who recently joined the show as a writer who is now going to seemingly probably do both roles, I think, right, and be on the show. A lot of the actors who are on the show, especially in the main roles, are people who have that comedic writing background. But they do just find this great way to make the change of voice actors not only work 
but work with like a plot point of that character finding out who she is in general. I may not relate to Missy, but I always feel like I love seeing the growth and changes that her character makes overall compared to anyone else on this show. Just in general, when you watch this show, it's one of those ones you have to watch over and over again. They hit you with jokes a mile a minute. They're just quick with the writing, and it's super witty. And you, those multiple rewatches, you'll find things you never notice. I the first three seasons, you always the signs outside the school where something either funny or weird or related to the plot, and like I a hundred percent the first few times just never notice those, and you'd almost have to do the pause and you miss it, read it, and then continue your episode just to think. What were those quick jokes I missed? Kind of like the Gridiron Heights that the Bleacher Report is putting out on YouTube. They're just jokes, 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 and you have to four or five times watch to even think you get a fraction of the jokes that they throw at you. Even though Coach Steve, the best character for me in this whole show, never gets that TLC he deserves. I think this season was less of a Coach Steve season. He had maybe one feature episode, I would say. Also voiced by Nick Kroll, who voices a ton of these characters. Just amazing that Nick Kroll can put so many different voices into this show and have these many different characters. And some are very, a fair amount of them are recurring characters. At least this character, who is my Netflix icon, Coach Steve, always gets somewhat of a feature in episodes. Just whenever I watch the show, the Coach Steve moments are almost always the best. Maybe for me, the depth is not always there for some of those characters that Nick Kroll voices who aren't Nick Birch with Steve and Lola, but the jokes provided for them both are always amazing. And as we'll get into a little bit, I'm just going to briefly touch on here is maybe I don't have the full relation of those two characters, even though I appreciate what they are. I bet there's people out there who watch this and do relate to those characters. Maybe not to that level, but all the characters are at a, a hyper realism. They're heightened and over the top, but they're still relatable enough to give you that painful walk down memory lane that we don't always want even the ways that they find and continue these rain jokes from seasons ago only four seasons in it as of now but still the payoff for me of the fake monster energy drink sponsor from season one where maurice who's the main hormone monster we're first introduced to is trying to do a, a sponsor read for monster to get sponsored and he's probably the most noticeable and then immediately followed right by Connie, who's the second hormone monstress you're introduced to. But having the old aging Rick hormone monster get the deal instead, have Maurice pop up and kind of like fight him during the fake sponsor. Amazing. They really don't get rid of characters. You always will see someone from season one or two sneak up on you in season three with a quick blink and you miss it role, which is nice that there are once again, it's not a living world, but, you know, just having all the recurring characters pop up again, even in briefest roles, is always a fun time. And part of this is because maybe six or seven people voice a ton of different characters, but even find a ways to get their high-profile acting voiceover people back in it here and then. The only character I think they really get rid of is, and I don't even look up his name, I could have, I just didn't want to, the, like, younger in-training hormone monster for season two. I don't even remember his character's name. He's never really been used again post-season two. And honestly, I think that's a good call. I think that's the only character throughout the show that just didn't stick for me for whatever reason. I mean, even the, like, deep, like, talking ladybug that Nick Kroll voices, who shows up in, like, two, three episodes, felt like it hit more than a whole season 
hormone monster in train that was just a little too weird and a little too annoying but not like amazing like what they do with Maurice and Connie I'd say that was one of the less strong weirder directions they went early on and I like to think they've grown from that they really do find a way to bring back all these characters though which is something that I absolutely love for the continuity of it all and just of course the whole completing our circle full circle stories we have also as far as representation they've done pansexual gay bisexual men women of different races and ages but the latest ad for representation was a transgender girl and while they don't give her a ton i don't think she's mentioned at all once they leave camp just having any arc with her overall and finding a way to tie her into jesse just nice to see everyone represent going through the shit of growing up and discovering yourself i think they kind of did the same thing with their first take at a pansexual character of there was a bit of use and storyline in season three and season four she's there Allie is a part of the world but not really predominantly featured in any which way but it's just nice to see the whole growing up discovering yourself as many different people's what their reality and their truth is being shown in this crass animated television show on Netflix. I also find it just weird that no matter how many times I watch this, you feel like Nick Birch, also voiced by Nick Kroll, is the main character. But so often, he's like a terrible friend and person to all those around him. Maybe I realize or think this more when I find myself relating more and more to the place of Jesse as opposed to Nick or Andrew, especially in the later seasons when she is more and further flushed out so we've seen depression hormones shame menopause and now this year we have anxiety portrayed by tito the anxiety mosquito i don't know if i consider myself an anxious person but these are pretty terrible times for all of us in 2020 and it feels like all we're going through every sort of terrible emotion these days and as only big mouth can do It makes you laugh and feel way too seen uh, and bring up everything you are and feel in a 22-minute, 10-episode season that when you're done, kind of makes you feel like you had a brief but powerful therapy session that you didn't ask for, you didn't have to pay for, but deep down, you probably really needed to hear it. And it'll probably stick with you at least a little while after, if not longer after you're done watching your binging of season or seasons and using anxiety personified in the year of 2020 it just feels right in all the wrong ways but but accurate and important not necessarily always fun not unlike bojack horseman or some of the darker rick and morty episodes but just right and exactly what you need to hear i feel like those shows that i've mentioned i'll blend the humor and sadness well And it kind of makes you feel right at home. And I think there's a reason why those three shows are, and I know BoJack just wrapped up, but those three shows are, and I think they'll last longer and longer, have this trend of not just gross humor, dark humor, comedic humor, it's a little more classic, but this kind of blending of depressing realism mixed in with dark humor. And that's the kind of comedy that you feel like is very real and the thing that's going on right now do some episodes not always resonate with me specifically of course 
But in the spirit of representation and getting everyone something to relate to and potentially grow from after watching the show, they should not all be relatable to me, a white, cisgender, straight guy, you know, like myself. But I have my episodes, and hopefully everyone else has their episodes and characters, and more importantly, struggles that can be relatable to each and every one of us. This show is a gift that keeps on giving. Just like whatever winter celebration you and yours vibe with this season. And a happy and merry whatever specific winter holiday traditions you celebrate. And also say this. Sometimes the representation is important based on who you are and what makes you you. And how you identify gender, sexuality, however your growing up origins were. But you do sometimes get things you need from characters you may not physically be relating to based on who you are, but what you've gone through. And that's the important thing. Like I said, I super relate to the plights of Missy and Jesse way more than Nick and Andrew in the later seasons. And I think that's the the joy and the importance and the strength that this show provides. Also, with all the voice actors in this show, I super want to bring up how amazing Thandi Newton is as Missy's hormone monstrous Mona. She's been crushing it on Westworld, Sometimes the best part of those later seasons has been her acting chops and role, minus, of course, Marshall Lynch. As you all know, he's amazing. Probably should have won the Best Guest Actor Award at the Emmys, but we all know Marshall Lynch is a treasure to the world that we are living in. But sometimes having more Missy growth means more Mona, and that pairing is amazing. Just like when we finally saw Matthew with his hormone monster, Maury, and the different relationship that Maury has with Matthew versus Andrew, and sometimes you could say that Nick and Jesse both have with Connie at separate times. I will say some of the episodes overall are like just a little bit too gross. The end of season one, pretty visceral and gross. The end of the camp story, yeah, it's probably right up there, especially with there being a song (laughs) some of the I love the music and the songs maybe like one or two songs are probably just a little gross and the camp one no exception and yeah even early on some of the J Lola moments pretty gross in that same episode like episode three one of the grosser episodes I would say in the entire series the show toes that line of depressing humor weirdness and just gross things I like the first three. The last one, not so much. The whole why I have issues with South Park at times thing. Once again, I don't hate South Park. I would never say that. Sometimes I just, the humor isn't necessarily always my cup of tea. The summer tangent was nice and different, but this show thrives with them navigating hormones in everyday life. In their case, it's school, but just the camp always felt like it was a separate world they went into which is the whole point of camp right you go away you learn boating or soccer or whatever you make string things you know whatever lanyards but when you get back to the real world I like that stakes I feel like are a little more real where camp it could be one of those what happens at camp stays at camp kind of things seeing Jay with Jesse as a romantic pairing and how that was kind of worked it for a time but it was clearly destined to fail in season one super fun But seeing Jay with Lola, especially because that lasts for a whole season, back in the school, not just a summer fling, the most amazing characters coming together is exactly what we needed this season. 
their strangeness plays off so well together. And there's probably some nice messaging hidden in there about, I don't know, like not caring what anyone else thinks and just loving who you love regardless of what society says. That might be me looking too deep into it, but that's sort of the things that Big Mouth makes you do. You look deep into everything. Especially, I like this though, because they both are getting pressured by their people, their groups of peers, to end it ASAP, and they decide not to do that. And seemingly, they have a weird, strong relationship through the season. While the Jay and Lola hijinks, amazing for sure, this season, seeing Jesse deal with anxiety mosquitoes feels just a little too real. Comparing yourself to others and just feeling shitty about yourself. All super heightened by what we're going through with quarantine isolation. Not being with someone, single AF over here. Or having that social life super stunted and FOMOing like a mofo. Seeing all these TikTokers, parties, or Instagram group hang sessions. Like it's a wild world we live in. And it is so easy to just feel alone. Or as Coach Steve says, I don't get lonely, I remain lonely. I used to be able to do a not terrible impersonation of the Coach Steve voice. The allergies are really messing up my ability to do any different voices. Not sure if you can hear it or not. Hopefully that'll get addressed in my life soon. But get that on a t-shirt. I don't get lonely, I remain lonely. Or a bumper sticker or whatever. That's the kind of messaging that would slay on a Aeropostatale shirt. I'm just saying, get the word out there. Get that messaging. That would make some serious cash money. The show really has a way to make you feel seen, which is very much one of those therapy words of you're seen, you're heard, you feel like it, something or someone gets you. And in this case, the show really feels like it's almost talking to you specifically. And in different problems, different people might feel seen in different moments or characters. This show is not for everyone. Some people, me included, normally don't want to face their reality and see it portrayed on media and would rather get distracted by things that are so outlandish and fictitious they can never happen in society. Probably why I consider Walking Dead a a feel-good, a comfort show, or why I've been aggressively diving into the horror genre, as you loyal listeners probably know. But it helps to just, you know, my thought philosophically, why do I like horror things? I don't know. Maybe it's you're feeling something of this scary feel that's being brought up and, you know, you just get away from it all in the world, you know? That's why sitcoms and I don't get along. They don't pass the vibe check. I'm not about it. I don't care if someone's having their blah, blah, won't take me to prom or whatever life things. Life stinks anyway. Why want to see it again? watching show it's like you're not getting away from life's what's to call the problems and who's not right it's just not for me but this show somehow breaks the mold and the usual viewing maybe because it's a dark comic way that it portrays these things it's a very dark story at times but it's also hilarious and there are songs so yeah please more big mouth 10 seasons of big mouth forever big mouth wow what a tirade i just went on really opened up to you guys a little bit That will probably be a theme as we get deeper into this episode, so get ready to really learn who I am, apparently. There it is. Assuming I will include all this and not cut it out, but we will see how bold I feel in the editing process. And if I feel that I want to be even, you know, marginally vulnerable, 
who knows, maybe I'll just put it all out as is. Just cutting out breasts and ums and things of that nature. But back to the show, TV, movie, podcast that you all came here for. So this season, we barely get any of Nick's family, which is a shame because there were so many amazing moments with his family. And I really want like a whole episode that's just the two of Nick's parents and how their relationship got to where it is. It seems like a very loving, healthy, positive relationship. I think we could all strive for Fred Armiston and Maya Rudolph. Apparently she voices his mom. I assume she only voiced Connie who ends up being his hormone monstrous, which has some interesting thoughts there. But I was today years old when I found that out. They need more screen time. His siblings really don't get a ton of time either. They've had moments, but I think his sisters had more than his brother, but we also need more Duke Ellington. The voice actors, Jordan Peele for Duke get a ton of voice acting roles on this show, but those characters, I'd say, are their main ones in this show, and they are them at their best. Well, Maya's probably best as a hormone monstrous, but we really should get that parent episode of how they got to where they were, more of their relationship, and maybe another Duke Ellington one. The last one was of his childhood as a hormone monster. Also, Maury was his hormone monster, which this whole thing was an amazing period piece, that we need more of his life moments explored in flashbacks as the boys continue to grow up because that was a phenomenal moment in season three so this show is at its best when it nails the feelings and what personifies these feelings and bring back the depression kitty with tito the anxiety mosquito and combining there we'll call it powers i guess what a combination these two they tackle very real issues that are honestly combined a lot in real world and put them here personified to be that overwhelming sensation that people get and feel and have to deal with. This has to be the most interesting storyline, not only this season, but maybe in the entire show, especially because the end is very gratifying, pun intended, and it's almost like a nice roadmap as a way to help. Nothing can make those feelings go away completely, but things that can be used to help and manage and cope with them is shown in a way that while it's not easy because it shouldn't be assumed that it's just going to be done fix everything as also shown on the show these things can help and that is all that can be done and that shouldn't be seen as a negative that should be seen as a positive that things can be dealt with the other thing i want to bring up is kind of looking back at character arcs nick and andrew are our two main characters But at times, they're both just super toxic and unlikable. At times, we all really relate to them a bit. But the question is, are they actually toxic, terrible people? Or are they two kids trying to figure out what they're going on and what they're doing and navigating this crazy time of change in their lives? Not unlike once you leave college and have to enter the real world or any of those other moments of just change and uncertainty. Last season had an amazing menopause banshee moment that was great to once again have some representation of going through changes at different ages like the song in the beginning right you know jesse's parents going through the divorce it's something that impacts jesse but you get to see how it also affects her parents where some stories would just focus on the kids you get the full range of age representation which is not really touched on a lot of shows but that is the beauty of the show No one is perfect. Everyone, no matter the age or other distinguishable differences, 
is going through changes just like that intro song which i'm gonna bring up a few times because it's very poignant and timely and relevant to the whole concept of the show just trying to navigate all the crazy hell that is everyday life everything does not just wrap up happily ever after sitcom or disney style something that has to be appreciated and viewed over and over again that and the songs are mad catchy i can say it time and time again Everyone should be watching Big Mouth. This show is special and important. I gotta say, each season has at least one or two episodes that are the best of the bunch. Am I Gay from Season 1, Steve the Virgin in Season 2, My Furry Valentine, the surprise double-length Valentine's Day episode for Season 3. And this season, we have a very special 9-11 episode. There are some really nice Missy and Devon stories He actually feels really important here to the actual story, which is something that I feel like you never see with his character. There's a nice Coach Steve storyline about him, the always positive and kind and dumb, amazing best character in the show. Having him feel some negative emotions for the first time, and Matthew, who always makes fun of him, actually helping him out to some degree. I'm sure there's some deep meaning here of like no one is positive all the time and why that should be valued and should be important and appreciated and embraced. The Nick Jesse story is maybe supposed to be the A storyline here, which is like the running term for if you have your A, B, C storylines, your A is your main, your B and C are for your supporting characters to add other things and fill in things. It just doesn't feel like the A story is the most important here. But that's the nice thing is they can have episodes that don't exclusively focus on Nick, Andrew, and Jesse and still have really good episodes and shows. There's so much to unpack here and they find ways to have thoughtful, spirited, engaging discussions about serious issues all while still being fun and not too preachy. The sex ed episode did it and the Wakanda scene here tackled that same thing. Also, just as a side note, Always amazing to have more Wakanda and just Black Panther references in everything. Still really just sad about the Chadwick Boseman thing, but who isn't, right? But even it's still almost unbelievable that it's reality is that what we're living in right now with that thing that had happened. But in general, back to the episode, it really does a nice job of conveying that same deep thought-provoking thing while having it still be kind of fun and lighthearted how they're having the very real serious debate this may not be my favorite overall season that would probably have to be season two with the introduction of gina rodriguez's character and david thulis yeah lupin from harry potter as the shame wizard who has one of the best songs i think from season two for sure there are some super weird episodes here but i feel like overall the story is strong but The messaging and emotions here are some of the best for the entire series. And while Matthew has slowly grown from a background joke character to much more of a mainstay after season one and giving him a boyfriend played by Heroes and AHS, you know, we like American Horror Story alum Zachary Quinto. Shocking, but very cool. I know that he's a part of this. There's always the fun of voice actors that you kind of recognize and who are they and you look up on IMDb. Oh, wow, that's that person. A lot of fun with that with Big Mouth for sure. While his boyfriend never really gets any sort of development, but who knows, there are time and time could tell where that could go. Matthew and his plight of coming out to his parents and the two reactions from his parents. Once again, representation here, super strong. His very conservative mom 
and his, you would assume, similar if not worse dad, but his mom ends up being the one who can't accept him. Also, that is another telltale reason to not snoop on people's phones and messages for everyone to put some sort of passcode lock, face, thumbprint, all sorts of lock on your phone. Just do it this instant when you click your phone off that the lock screen's up to avoid anything like this happening. But people got to stop looking at other people's messaging. And the scenes of him and his mom separating and losing out on the things they used to do. And of course, the Matthew songs are some of the best. His voice is super strong singing-wise. It's a pretty sad song. That is, you know, sad things can be beautiful and great. And this is one of those things. And just having him, on contrast, having a very basic, candid conversation with his dad, who's like totally cool and understandable and willing to work through whatever with him. You know, sometimes this show can come off a little depressing, not unlike BoJack and Rick and Morty. But it's nice to know that this show and those shows have some sort of positive uptick at the end. Not everything is doom and gloom and bad and terrible. But they really did somehow decide to go super bad with Nick this season. Multiple times, he's unable to be a friend to Jesse who tries to be there for him. And she is there for him. And he just can't even remotely be there for her as just a friend in any capacity. I guess that's all part of his arc, though. He tries to get away with whatever he wants and eventually he has to deal with the consequences sometimes that is with Andrew sometimes to Andrew's detriment it all eventually figures itself out though it's some quote I think he says about being an advocate for his own personal pleasure or well-being or something like that which in one sense great for self-love in another sense it's a little toxic (laughs) but that's sort of how his alter ego future version of himself nick star is kind of a little toxic version of himself also getting all those one episode characters back brilliant i can't believe how in general they got david thulis to be a part of the show as all in any capacity but the fact that he even continues to be a part of it just professor lupin in an animated puberty show how and why i'll never know but yes please the tail end of this show i feel like We have at least a moment with all of the parents and Marty Andrews dad is the best like atypical just angry dad out there. Not as many parent storylines. We really only have one that I can remember with the Fatima love novel storyline that has a large portion of seeing the two of the main parent couples interact with each other and giving a little more parental depth. But the different styles of parenting And once again, they're all just super relatable and different people's experiences of what growing up with different types of parents made you into who you are. Because there's always going to be some shaping of you are, to some degree, what you have experienced or not experienced from your parents. The therapy scene, like I talked about it in the Halloween episodes, it's nice to see when it's a bit more realistic and wholesome, helpful portrayal. And honestly... Even the Rick and Morty episode, and there's even, I think, that one Family Guy episode with just Stewie and Patrick Stewart. There's some amazing portrayals of therapy in recent enough versions of both film and television. It's nice to see that it's not just a place for forbidden love stalker stories to come up, which I feel like is a setting trope in way too many like BC movies out there. 
And this is where Zach Galifianakis comes into play. Who or what is he playing? The Gratitude. Like gratitude, but it's a toad. Get it? Gratitude. This is the most important scene yet. Just thinking about all the things you're grateful for and how hard it is to practice it. Never since this scene at the end in Coco where I will always tear up. This scene in Big Mouth will live in my mind rent-free. And seeing it with being practiced by yourself, and that's one step to it, but then taking the next step and practicing it to others, the levels of hardness and depth in something that should be so simple for us, but it's just not. It's not easy to be practice gratitude and be grateful for things and how that can help tie into your mental health and well-being and even self-esteem to a degree. So this might be one of the best episodes to wrap up this season. I should have mentioned it earlier, but doing my rewatch, it just kind of, I remember just how strong the Halloween episode was. And I don't think they've really done a whole lot of Halloween episodes. They did a super, you know, lengthy Valentine's Day episode. I think this is one of the other first ones where I really get the specific holiday vibe from it it's so weird but it makes the most out of our characters facing their deepest insecurities and fears some make it out grown and some can't overcome them by themselves the missy and jesse ones i think are the best of introducing the gratitude and missy finding out who she is she has all these different versions of herself they make an us lapita reference so Thank you to Jordan Peele, who's a part of the show, and for making some amazing horror movies in Get Out and Us. Just simply amazing that they, A, can find any way to tie that into, once again, this animated puberty show. She has her overall side, her, you know, kind of dorky, non-she side. She has the side from the sleepover. There's just so many versions we've seen of her. Uh, Bad hoodie, mirror low self-esteem version. And her superhero version, and with Roy's reflective mirror, she's trapped in like one of those optical illusion mirror rooms. And once they'll break, she realizes all these different parts aren't who she has to be one or the other. They're all who she is. And that's why they changed the voice actor from Jenny Slate to A.O. Ediberry. Also, that quote about a puzzle being a picture you haven't met yet. I don't know if I fully get it. But something about it, especially this time, made me just smile a little bit hearing that direct quote. Nick's message is the only one not really uplifting that takes up to the series finality to, I don't want to say fix, because nothing's a straight up fix when you're dealing with these insecurities, but uh, something to help with it, I think, would be a better way to word it. In his messaging, it's protecting yourself and never letting anyone in. Man, that, uh... That hits hard, <clears throat> but like, who hasn't felt that at some point? Or like, right now, as they're saying words into a podcast microphone. I know, I've really opened up a bit on this one, but that's what Big Mouth does. It helps with all the crap going on with life, both around and inside of you. Honestly, everyone has a good moral in this. Not being afraid of dying and living your life to the fullest... The world won't end based on your choices. Obviously, the gratitude one. And you're always going to be a combo of all your different parts. And that makes you you. And you don't have to just pick one or the other. 
and the Andrew advice of slow, deep breathing, obvious, but it's always nice to get a friendly reminder. I'll sometimes just be walking and I'll close my eyes and just take a deep breath. In one of my uh, yoga classes way back from the Marist College days, there was some breathing technique I learned where, yeah, you can close your eyes and breathe in and out, you know, in through your nose, out through your mouth. But there's another one called, I believe it's called Nandi Shasana, which is alternative nose breathing. So you put like one finger, you cover one nostril, you breathe in, and then you cover the other one, and you alternate the nostril breathing in and out. And that's supposed to help you really focus on your breathing, which is something they tell you to do in many of the deeper wellness things is to always go back to focus on your breathing and branch out from there. That's your fun little tip from <laughs> yours truly. Nick Nack goes to the movies. Nick Nack goes to the hopefully helping and inspiring people section of the Apple podcast categories. Unrelated to health and wellness. One thing, and there's another mystery that we did, like a mass singer joke that, oh, we don't know who the masked principal is. But the mystery I really want to know about is what happened to the ponytail killer. Barely mentioned here, but still mentioned one of the biggest mysteries on the show. It was a big issue in season one. It was somewhat an issue in season two, and three might have touched on a little bit. Four briefly mentioned, but I feel like we've been teased to think that Greg's roommate in Guy Town which is one of the absolutely better songs. I know there's, I keep saying, oh, they're one of the better songs. Well, they're all really good songs that he would be the ponytail killer. No one knows, but I think they're kind of tease that he's the ponytail killer. Will we ever find out who this character is? I sure hope so. So I don't love the sad end for Jay and Lola. It takes two people who've had some emotional turmoil and both of those people have had a very much a lack of parental parenting as it were and that shaped them in different ways but they have some amazing moments together this season and like I said it feels like it's a really weird but strong relationship that will kind of work but Lola not saying I love you back immediately to Jay of course that's not gonna vibe with him he his characters always craves some sort of emotional connection from his pillows that he has sex with from getting like punched by his brothers as a any form of human contact like they Jay is constantly making references like that and look Jay may end up the same way that coach Steve does like lonely and craving any sort of human connection and there's a reason why they're friends in the earlier season and Lola not being able to connect with him immediately in that moment for the same reason of the fear of abandonment they both had the same fear but they couldn't communicate that and that's why the relationship ends and like does that make sense yes do I hate to see it? Obviously, I don't like to see it at all. Um, like, And of course, when she can say it, he has rebound sex with his pillows. I don't love that sad ending for them. And I really wanted them to work out more so than even Jay and Jesse, which definitely felt like it was never going to work. But this show always has uh, ups and downs. It's like one of those bar graphs. or not bar graphs, line graphs. That's graphing, math. But this show always finds a way to have a sad end for characters now, but they'll always bounce back, which is important and why this is so much more fun and real than any basic-ass sitcom. Life is ups and downs, and this show shows that. It doesn't just wrap itself up at the end of the 30-minute sitcom and everything's hunky-dory. Like It has stakes for an animated show. That's something. 
But at the end of the day, the season tackles anxiety, readdresses depression, and more importantly, gratitude. The end moments of the anxiety mosquito and depression kitty being shrunken down and smaller, they're going to be a part of you, but they're smaller and manageable. It's nice, helpful, and a realistic message for those things that we all deal with. Big Mouth Season 4 was and is a show we needed for the end of 2020, and hopefully can usher us into a better future in 2021. Because even though things may feel like they're all going to be terrible and nothing will get better, by practicing a little gratitude, embracing all the parts of what make you you, and yes, even just stopping to take a deep breath, things might just feel a little bit better. The end end of the show of a Rick song, and I don't think we've really heard Rick sing since Sex on a Lady. <laughs> one of, I know, it's like a broken record, one of the best songs, but it, that might be the best actual song. His catchphrase is, oh, what are you gonna do? Something that has been built up for four seasons, and they finally ask, what, is, what, what does that mean? What is the point of that? It ends up being a really nice, positive sentiment. Not unlike when the kids break free of the shame wizard and can be themselves at the tail end of season two. This song is just saying that things may be bad, but yet you can do something about it. Just very open-ended and a positive way to wrap up season four. It's very hopeful. It has already been renewed for two more seasons, so fingers crossed we can get many, many more after that. So that's it. Not the episode you were all thinking you wanted. I know. Festive things are around the corner. But maybe this is the episode you, me, and everyone else needed. Another one for the health and wellness category on Apple Podcasts. And while this started as a backup episode, as the only thing I've really watched to talk about post-Aliens, it turned out to be a fun time, you know, talking about an amazing show. And I gotta be a little vulnerable with y'all. I'll tell you, it's not easy (laughs) to be vulnerable to even yourself and even those close to you. But even scarier, putting this message and personal feelings and just you as a person and message it out to the public world, a place that can be wonderful, amazing, and supportive, but also just super horrid and and hateful. It's, it's scary. But I'm going to work on that whole gratitude practicing thing and think of how grateful I am to have this platform, to have you all. And for all the Christmas movies I'm going to watch in the next two weeks, and of course the epic conclusion of The Mandalorian, something we can all be grateful for. And I hope, if you haven't already watched the show, but even just hearing this message, that you too can try and practice that gratitude and just feel better about what makes you you and who you are as a person and what you have in your life. Because it's not easy, I know that. I'm dealing with the same thing you are, maybe. Maybe you have it better. I don't know. But a lot of people are probably dealing with what I'm dealing with, which is just bummed outness. 2020, bummed outness. But like I said in the beginning, so that's my message to y'all. So now we'll get to the more teasy part and more uh, showy, right? So like I said in the beginning, the official show Twitter account, back up and in action, it's active, ready to go. Almost on catching that account up on all of the episodes and graphics and other content from the 
maybe a month or two months of not being available, but it's all fixed and working again, which is the important part. New content will be coming up real soon to at Knickknack Movies on Twitter and Instagram. You can also still follow on Knickknack IC. Uh, the two accounts will get you your full dose of if you want more and more me saying words about movies and maybe sports and maybe some life. You know where to follow me, right? We'll get some Aliens content. We'll get some Christmas movies lists for you. And who knows what's left to follow in the remainder of 2020. As always, thank you to Buzzsprout, to all the sites that are putting my podcast out and making it accessible out there to you. I'm grateful for you for being a part of what I'm putting out into the universe and the world. Mostly just talking about movies and shows, but every so often we're getting a little bit deeper. Who knows what this could evolve into, right? If you want to reach out on social, hit me up. We can talk Big Mouth, your favorite Christmas movies. Who knows? Maybe just life. I might even be able to get on a TikTok live one of these days. I haven't done one in ages, but we never know what'll happen when the days come, right? And as always, until next time, cinephiles. Are you not entertained? I think this is going to be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I don't like goodbyes. Let's just call this See You Later, Alligator.